welcome, Ian. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me today. Uh, really excited to finally get a chance to speak with you, not in person, but virtually. Uh, we've obviously went back and forth for a little while on, on Twitter, um, being part of some similar communities. And, and actually, uh, my samurai from the Rebels by Night collection, 7148, if anyone wants to take a look on the old blockchain, uh, is, is in your book that we're going to be talking about. Um, so I'm particularly excited, uh, more than most, I'm sure. And there's a few other people who have their... Uh, their characters in there and their, their IP. And it's, it's great to see that being used, you know, in a real way. And when I got the first copy um, of the book mailed to me, it was like surreal to, to see it physically in my hands. Uh, and, and thanks for doing that. That was amazing. Um, but before we get started, um, that's kind of where we are today. I want to like take a trip down memory lane and, and just learn about you and sort of how did you get into the web three space? Like when did you enter the space and what was the first project maybe that, that got you excited? Like how'd you, how'd you end up here? I think I'd have to start way back, uh, back in, uh, early two thousands when I was in university, uh, maybe even before that, when I was in middle school and I was collecting comics and, baseball cards and um, I used to, uh, used to collect a lot of Marvel cards. Uh, do you remember the Marvel cards? Um, yes, yeah, so I I remember when they first came out, I got the first, uh, I think it was 1990. And then I, you know, I was collecting all the characters like Wolverine and Spider-Man and all that stuff. And then uh, I was just, thought I just thought it was so cool because I used to collect uh baseball cards and uh now it seemed like these uh, these marvel characters were just they felt a little bit more real or tangible because i was trading them like like i would an actual jose canseco card or, or something like that and um yeah and then it was i kind of really just i was really into story uh, to me, character is everything. Um, yeah, character is everything about any story, any whether it's a book or a movie, comic book, video game, anything. And uh, um, I eventually majored in creative writing. Uh, I went to York University, and I wanted to write novels, and I wanted to write film. So... From there, um, I was just, you know, it's really difficult to get into the film industry, but uh, I did break in. I worked for a, a studio called Aircraft Pictures, and they were nominated for an Oscar about five years ago uh, for The Breadwinner, Best Animated Feature, co-produced with Angelina Jolie, and I, and I was the, the post-production manager there, and uh, there was... I work for the Canadian Film Center, which is a private school owned by Norman Jewison, who did Moonstruck. And uh, um, I was a production manager there. So, and then I, I was just kind of behind the scenes. And everyone who enters uh, film, they all want to be a director, a writer, or a director. That's uh, everyone I meet. That's what they want to be, and uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do but it was you know it's really hard to to get someone to uh, trust you enough 
to give you a budget of something like five million to make a movie, a small budget movie that you want to make. So I kind of just made stuff independently. I did a lot of shorts. Uh, you're you're from Canada, so I think you remember the Bravo Network. Yeah, so Bra- Bravo they had a, f- a grant called Bravo Fact, and uh, they gave something like fifteen thousand to me to make a short, and um, they had a they had a half an hour show I think at Sunday at nine p.m. called Bravo Fact Presents, so it was, it was shown there, it was aired there. And um, nothing really came out of that. And so I just kept on writing my scripts. I have a bunch of scripts, uh, shopped around, uh, wasn't selling it. Uh, same thing with books. So I did a bunch of, I wrote a bunch of novels and I, I queried a lot of literary agents. Uh, none of them got, none of them uh, picked me up or signed me. And so I just went on. I just decided to give away my first novel for, for free. So uh, I found a, um, a free ebook platform called Wattpad. And Wattpad, uh, so it's wattpad.com. They also have an app. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's kind of like the YouTube for authors because when you upload an ebook, um, readers can like it, comment on it, and share it. and They can comment on specific lines in the book, and it's almost like a, you know, a community reading experience. And uh, this one was called uh, The Online Profile of a Serial Killer. And in 2016, um, it, it was read over um, a million times, and but more importantly, it was it had tons of organic engagement. So it was uh, twenty thousand comments uh, from from readers, and uh, I didn't. That's what really excited me because I was I was reading through the novel myself, and I could see people. Once there's a twist, everyone's like uh, people would comment, "Oh my god!" or or I knew it, or stuff like stuff like that, and I just felt like, wow, this is um, this is kind of, uh, um, I felt like it was sort of uh, a new spin on a on an old medium, and they they tried to uh, monetize the the books for the authors. It, the platform itself is monetized because of ads, um, but the 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 authors were not making any money. Uh, not like YouTube, where they share revenue in uh, uh, if you monetize your videos. And um, I, I also have a, a YouTube channel, and it's uh, I'll get to that later. But I, I did monetize my my YouTube channel and, and made a little bit. Uh, I made quite a bit there. And then with um, with Wattpad, what they tried to do was. Uh, they took, they chose, I think, about thirty books that were popular on the platform, and they uh, put a paywall on it. So after something like twenty chapters, you'd have to spend maybe three bucks to finish it. And uh, and then um, I think I made a little bit from that, but uh, no one really wanted to pay. Uh, they were they were specifically on that platform to read 
free books the same way as most people are on YouTube to watch free videos. So it didn't really work. But it was a great uh, experience and it was very validating. Uh, they, they have a, every year they have something called the Wadi Awards where they give uh, something about something like 30, 30 authors the award. Um, and it's, uh, they, they tout it as uh, the largest online writing competition in the world just because um, when you do upload an ebook, you have to uh, agree to, to submit it for the, for the Wadi Awards. And every year they have over 200,000 uh, submissions. So it, it is the largest. And, and then I was selected for it. And that uh, this is 2016. So then, um, then the book got more reads. And I just felt like, okay, I, I think I can, I think I can write. Um, and then, um, when I discovered NFTs, uh, it did remind me of the Marvel, uh, Marvel universe trading cards because of the, you know, the, the characters in collections are one of ones and you can trade them. Uh, just like a trading card, but digitally. And I loved that almost all of the the collections were giving the the holders of of the NFT the IP rights to that image. And that's amazing to me because, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always wanted to write uh, a story about Wolverine, but I couldn't. Well, I could. It'll be fan fiction. And I wouldn't make money from it. But with NFTs, you could potentially um, create. You can create a, a piece of source material, uh, material like a novel, um, using the IP from from the characters of a collection, like Rebels by Night or uh, Psychedelics Anonymous, and um, you, you can legally sell the book and make money from the sales of the book. And if the book does well, since you own one of the, the characters in it, you could also use that image to, um, to make t-shirts or, or stuff like that. This is uh, blue sky dreaming, but let's just say this novel becomes super popular and it gets option to become a movie. So now you're now you own a, an NFT that uh that um owns the IP rights to that character in the movie. <clears throat> I don't think that's happened before. So uh, I have, I have a feeling that if you know like hypothetically if if a studio did want to buy um or did want to buy or option the novel they might want to talk to all the holders to say, we're just going to buy the NFT off you because usually they want to own everything, right? Uh, if they're going to option the, the film. Um, so yeah, we're all in it together. Like, uh, there's five rebels, so that's five holders. Two PAs, so that's seven. Seven holders are in, uh, own the IP rights to the images of the characters in my book. 
and we're pretty much in it together because um, if ever the novel's adapted into anything else, even a comic book series, even if some someone like uh, DC or or Marvel, if they just want to make it into comic book series, um, yeah, they would they would need they would not only need to license uh, the story from me, but they'd have to license the images of the characters from you. So it'll be really interesting to see if, you know, what happens, right? Yeah, and I imagine that the, their approach definitely would be, okay, we just want to own these outright. <laughs> you know, knowing the way they are with, you know, especially characters like this that would make, like, really cool merch, right? They, I could see that samurai would be, like, a really cool toy. Right? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it'd be, it's almost a no-brainer for these kind of characters, right? They'd be very adaptable to the sort of, you know, revenue streams that these big, uh, you know, these big production houses and, uh, are are used to making all these types of movies, right? I, obviously, my mind goes to like the biggest example being stuff like Avengers and that, right? But um, you know, you'd be silly to make something like this and not do that. I think the the biggest example is uh, Star Wars, um, uh, because George Lucas, uh, instead of accepting payment to to make Star Wars with Twentieth uh, Century Fox, uh, he he said, "Just give me the rights." To the to the merchandise, and that's how he became a billionaire. Was through merch, was through toys, posters. Uh, did you know that? Yeah, I've done a lot of uh, watching and reading of documentaries and stuff about that, about Star Wars and and about uh, George Lucas and that. And yeah, I did I did know that. And when you think about just the amount of of Star Wars merch out there and toys and things like that, you know, it makes sense, right? It's, it's everybody has something. Yeah, I, I can't believe that he was he had the the foresight to to make that decision. I wouldn't have. I'd just give me like a couple million bucks. But uh he pro- he proved that um that uh toys and the I, the IP of characters in you know in super popular uh action, fantasy, uh sci-fi films, you know, kids wanna kids want to buy these things and even adults they want to collect them and uh, they're, they're they're even they're, they're i think um i think the star wars universe really does uh expand beyond just the film the film is almost just the starting point and then then you have everything else you have the you have the toys and the books and the video games and it's crazy yeah, especially if like the recent renaissance, you know, with the Disney Plus additions to that. And, you know, I, I can't go anywhere in a store without seeing something with a baby Yoda on it. Right. Like it's it's everywhere. Right. So it, it's uh, it shows you the power of it and how how amazing, you know, it was to have that foresight of owning that pro- that intellectual property. And, you know, I think a lot of people would have just been offered a big number and said like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'll take that check. Thank you very much. And that would be the end of it. But yeah, there's also a big gamble, right? Because it maybe it maybe it doesn't work out like that, you know, and maybe Maybe you're looking back and going, oh, my God, I should have took the check. But, you know, he, he bet on himself. And I think that any successful person, when you hear their story, 
you know, that's the moment where it changes for them when they decide to put the chips down and bet on themselves and they're not looking for a handout from somebody else. Right. And I think that's, that's the, the real core of that story. And that's honestly the same sort of nugget that you find in most of the sort of more successful, whether it's in entertainment or business or anyone, if you listen to their story or read their books or hear them talk, it's almost always like there's that moment where it's like, okay, I have to kind of go all in on myself here and this has to work. Like there's no option to fail. Like this has to work, you know? Uh, and you know, that's, that's obviously a great example of it. And, um, as far as the web three side of things, um, were you dabbling at all in, in just like cryptocurrency stuff, uh, trading or anything before that? Or was NFTs kind of your first forte into, into like the, the blockchain world? Yeah, it was NFTs is what got me into the blockchain world. <clears throat> I wasn't interested in, in crypto at all. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it was because I come from a, a storytelling background, um, and a media background. Uh, the moment they attached media files to, uh, to crypto, that's when I was, that's when it blew my mind. And I was just thinking, wow, um, I, I was really excited, just like everyone else in, uh, in what was it, early or late, late 2021. Uh, you know, uh, I heard about Bored Ape and then a couple of months later, I just, I, I, I just dove in and I started listening to a lot of podcasts and um, I was and YouTube videos and tried tried to learn as much as I could. Uh Gary V was really uh was really outspoken about the NFT space and how it would disrupt uh IP ownership and um he thought that he thought that the next the next uh, iconic character like Batman or Superman uh would come from uh an an NFT collection. Um, and, uh, a lot of people have, have, uh, have used the IP of these NFTs in stuff like comic books and YouTube videos like Deadheads and, uh, and I think Punks had a comic, uh, Cyberpunks, they made a comic book. Um, um, there's, uh, one of the, one of the board apes, uh, Jenkins the Valley, uh, they, they uh, they got um, Neil Strauss, the uh, New York Times bestselling author, to write a novel about Jenkins. And you know, there there's a bunch. There's Azubara. There's uh, I'm not the only one that's uh, that's making book NFTs using IP from uh, from NFT characters. So um, it's happening, and it's still new and. I'm not sure if Gary Vee is going to be right or wrong, but who knows? In, um, I think just time will tell. And uh, it's really just all about the quality of, of the, the source material. If the comic book's good, if the movie's good, or if the, if the novel's good, then it doesn't even matter what the what the character images are, you know, what were they based on? It just, uh, it's almost, it almost just becomes a backstory after, um, 
because I, I sell my novels on Kindle and, uh, and, and Amazon too, the paperback and the, the hardcover. And a lot of the people that have, um, have read it, they, they had no idea that, that these characters were based on, on NFTs from other collections. So uh, I'm just hoping that there will be uh, that one piece of source material and hopefully it's my book but that's that's reaching for the stars but i think one day there might be there might be a book um just like just like how you know mario puzo wrote the godfather and he um and then all of a sudden look what happened after that it became a movie a video game uh multiple sequels and if, and the characters in his novel, um, if, you know, hypothetically, if they were, if Michael Corleone was, uh, was based on this, this NFT, then that holder would be, uh, very happy about that. And it would, uh, it would kind of, uh, disrupt the way, uh, stories are licensed it's almost like uh, it gets the community more involved and uh, it becomes, uh, I think there's just more at stake for more people uh, doing what I'm trying to do. And uh, I think that helps with getting the word out, if not for you and, you know, and uh, the other, the other holders of the NFTs in, uh, in my book, um, like Miami Malik, he he's a holder of one of the PAs, and uh, they they get the word out, and uh, you know it helps me, it helps them, and uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at it like uh, an experiment. That's uh, that's, but at the root of it, it's just a, a novel. It's just uh, I'm just trying to tell a good story. I think one thing people don't realize is that the really amazing thing about Web3 in general, whether you're starting you know, your own token that has some sort of utility and some sort of system you've made that does something amazing and useful, you know, which can be one way to use it, or you have an NFT that you're attaching art to, it's democratized it, right? Like anyone can launch a token, anyone can launch an NFT. Like you don't have to be you know, a giant company. You don't have to be the government. You don't have to be anything. You don't even really have to have a ton of money to get started, um, especially with an NFT. If, you know, if you were just looking at the art side of things, um, that's exciting, right? That gives everyone an opportunity. If you're an amazing artist, like you can get your art out there and actually get paid for it, right? How many amazing artists have we seen who've careers have just taken off and it's literally because of NFTs, right? And maybe they would just be drawing as a hobby if they didn't get a chance to get in front of a larger audience, right? So it gives you that community and it gives you that outlet and that, um, that option of how to get you know, in front of people. Because otherwise, if you're looking, it, maybe you have an idea for the next Batman or next Superman or whatever, next Spider-Man. You know, in 2023, you can't just walk up to Marvel or DC or anybody and say, hey, I want a meeting. I have a great character. I want to sell you. Well, that that's not going to happen, right? You're just somebody on the street. But, you know, what if you create an amazing NFT 
project and maybe there's a character that's one of your one of ones and it's and then you know it has the aesthetic appeal that you want um and someone like you comes along and creates a backstory for it and now you know it can get some attention and maybe somebody does see that and maybe now you do have the next batman on your hands and like i said i know all of our examples are like shooting for the stars you know best case scenario but you have to think that way because it's possible. Like the fact that it's possible is crazy. That wasn't possible 20 years ago. There was no way, you know, um, you'd have to try and maybe work as an illustrator at one of those companies and you're just kind of filling in backgrounds or something for years and then trying to, you know, get your foot in the door or something. I don't know what the process is, but I'm sure it's a lot more convoluted than making a collection. And, you know, within a couple of years, if you look at something like the Bored Apes, what they've been able to do Everyone knows what they are. Even my friends who think crypto is stupid and don't know anything about it, they know who the board apes are, right? Like, um, so I think that's that's huge, right? I think a lot of those early collections do have that recognizability, like the the early, you know, the late twenty twenty one kind of early NFT hype collections um, have that staying power for sure. Um, so speaking about like NFT collections, uh, two that we have in common and two that are in this book is uh, Psychedelics Anonymous. And, and Rebels by Night. So you talked about Gary V a lot. Was that kind of how you got turned on to Psychedelics Anonymous or were you in before he started talking about it? How did you find your way to that that uh, community? Yeah, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't Gary V. I didn't even know he was a holder uh, when, uh, when I first, when I first uh, onboarded. Uh, I was just actively looking through, uh, through co- collections and uh i was i was actually really into psychedelics uh at the time uh experimenting with shrooms and uh psilocybin and uh acid and all that and um a- as a form of therapy and um i kind of that's what got me interested in in the project but when I saw the art and, and then when I uh, read the We Are the Night Manifesto, um, I really resonated with the, the narrator of, of We Are the Night, which who could be anybody. Uh, it almost felt like it was me speaking, uh, someone who is struggling with, um, I guess, the redundancy of of everyday work life and uh, finding refuse online and seeking different realities and even different identities. And um, I I just felt like that's what NFTs were. They were almost our digital identities. And I thought it was the beginning of a story when I first read it. And, And that's when I decided to think of a backstory for my uh, genesis. And it was about a guy who, who was kind of, um, he was a crypto trader and he was a, he was a recluse and he didn't have many friends. I don't, I think, uh, well, and then the novel starts that, uh, with him not having any friends and uh, he stays at home all the time and he has he's the own the character is is actually 
the holder of the Psychedelics Anonymous uh, Genesis. And he looks at, he has the, the, the Genesis as his uh, screen saver, or his, uh, sorry, his desktop background. And he looks at it and he just thinks, is, you know, this is who I, this, this depicts who I am more than when I look in the mirror. And uh, the story was just about him trying to go out into, in real life and, and try to connect with people for real. And he ends up uh, meeting someone who happens to be uh, another person in the Psychedelics Anonymous community who we discover later in the book wasn't really a coincidence. It's something that uh, uh, you'd have to read the book to find out, but uh, I, I eventually named it, I named the novel Everyone and No One. And it's based on um, my PA Gen and, uh, and Dale Hardiman's PA Gen. And I released it as a small collection of uh, 12, 1,200 NFTs um, that would unlock the novel. And it was a free mint, and it, it minted out. And um, a bunch of people read it. And um, it wasn't really uh, doing well in the secondary market. But I, I did have plans to uh, write more books. And... Uh, whoever owns this this NFT could also unlock my future novels. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, the way I kind of viewed NFTs at that point, like you said earlier, it does open uh, sort of a different career path for creators. I I viewed my NFT almost like a Patreon subscription. Because uh, when you subscribe to um, an artist on Patreon, you, you, you help the artist uh, continue to create. And uh, you, you, you pay a, a monthly subscription fee for, uh, to receive that, that content from the creator that you like. And uh, I was doing the same thing. I was giving uh, content to all the holders of my NFT. So it's almost like depending on how my career goes as a writer, that's the only time I think that the value of that NFT will go up. So it's all based on my career as a writer. So I, I wrote another book and uh, it, it just completed, and um, I just finished recording an audiobook version of, of that novel called Five Deadly Rebels, based on uh, five, five uh, Rebels by Night NFT characters, uh, you're, and you're one of them. And then uh, I, I dropped it as a, a paid... Um, yeah, a paid mint that didn't do well. It was, uh, it was. I think I, I think there was about fifty mints, and uh, I just continued to write uh, 
volume after volume every month after that initial drop um, with the intention of uh, pushing the story as a, as a selling point for, um, for owning uh, one of the NFTs from this new collection. And then uh, I finished the book and then I just thought, I think I just want the most uh, possible people to read it as possible. <laughs> I worded that wrong, but anyway, it's, I just wanted to give it away just like I did my Wattpad book. And a lot of the time, I, especially for me, uh, I, I discover good books through word of mouth. So uh, tomorrow I'm switching the, I'm switching the, the, the mint uh, from paid to free for five days. And I'm hoping that it will mint out just like the first one. But since it's a bigger collection of uh, 5,555 NFTs, um, I'm hoping that, you know, even if, even if 10% of the, the people who mint, uh, take advantage of the utility of the NFT and download the, the ebook for Kindle or Apple books, or even just listen to the audiobook that they can, they can download from, uh, my holder portal or, or my discord, uh, you, you know, even if just a few hundred people listen to the book and like it and then tell their friends about it, uh, I think then, I think then maybe uh, they'll, they'll be, I think the value of the NFT may rise. Uh, it's all based, like I said, it's all based on uh, how well the books do. And, and uh, I'm excited for next, next month because that's when the audiobook drops and like we talked about earlier, even as a writer, I haven't read a book in about 10 years. I've consumed all my books as audiobooks because I drive a lot. Um, I have ADHD, so uh, I like to listen to an audiobook when I'm, uh, when I'm washing the dishes or, or doing something else just to stimulate myself and uh, I think maybe more people are going to discover this book once it becomes an audiobook. And yeah, so it'll it'll drop four holders um, in about three weeks from now, I'd say. and then and then I'm going to uh, drop it on audible dot com maybe a month after that. So uh, the difference between, holding the NFT and buying it off audible.com is that uh, with the NFT, you will have access to everything I make uh, as long as I am alive making stuff. Whereas with audible.com, you just buy it and you have this, you have this audio book in your library and that's it. So yeah, this is uh, that's where I'm at right now. And, uh, um, I'm pretty excited for it, especially for you to to listen to it because I love the character that I wrote for uh, for your rebel, the the samurai. 
and uh, and who the samurai is and what's the samurai's mod- motivation for doing for doing what the samurai is doing. It's uh, it's I wrote it. I wrote the the novel like a an antihero book, kind of like. Um, well, I based it off uh, 70s kung fu films. Uh, it's loosely based on the Five Deadly Rebels. Sorry, the the Five Deadly Venoms by the Shaw Brothers. And it's just these five kung fu masters in ancient China that are that are uh, masters at uh, at these forbidden deadly styles that the authorities are you know uh, have outlawed and. And they're trying to find this treasure in, in, uh, in, in this ancient Chinese town. Whereas uh, in my story, it's similar, but it's based in New York City, and they're after a, a ledger, and uh, the ledger. You you'll once you read the book, you'll discover that it's it's actually based on a real ledger that exists uh, in in real life right now that uh, no one no one knows where it is and uh, they're all criminals and they all have uh, they all have their own selfish motives uh, it's kind of like film noir meets uh, science fiction meets the gangster genre meets the kung fu genre <laughs> And you can hear, by the way you tell the story and the way you talked about your writing earlier, that you're definitely starting with the characters first, right? And with a lot of intention around who they are and the backstory and their motivations and stuff like that. And those are always the best stories, right? Like rather than sort of trying to think about, you know, a beginning, middle and end in a story, I think even you writing it sort of in volumes, I'm sure helped get more granular with each each section, right? And like, what is this about? And, you know, each volume is going to be sort of a mini story in in its own way. Um, But yeah, it's really cool to see and hear a little bit about your your creative process around that. And I think putting it on Audible is a fantastic idea because anyone who's used it before or, you know, got one of those emails before, you know, you can sign up and get a, usually get a book for free. So, I mean, they could, you know, theoretically read it for free. Right. Um, which is, which is great too. Um, but I think being a holder is really going to be the bigger benefit here. Right. So getting those future mints, um, and obviously that way you're directly supporting, you know, you and your efforts, uh, and there's no, you know, company having to take a cut. So I think that especially our web three friends listening to this, you know, the being a holder and minting would definitely be the way to go. Right. And, and you're creating that, that free mint option for five days. So, you know, nothing to lose a couple bucks in gas, you know, uh, and you, you have a copy. So I think that's really cool that you're doing that, um, just to help onboard more people. And I love hearing that, you know, your motivations are, are really just honest and trying to get this story out there and get people to hear it. And, you know, for you, it's awesome to hear that it's super validating that people are reading and enjoying your work. Um, cause I know it's kind of made in a vacuum, right? I'm not a writer, but I am a musician and, you know, you kind of write a song, um, in a vacuum of a room alone and sometimes you lose your mind and sometimes you're not sure if it's good or what the hell you're doing or should you throw it all out? Um, so when you do get that feedback finally, and it's positive, 
you know, all those hours you spent editing and, and writing and throwing things out and starting again and going back to the original idea and all that kind of stuff, you know, it finally it, it does validate that work and at least, you know, give you that breadcrumb to, to get to the next the next thing you want to do, right? And um, so that's exciting and I'm really hoping more people will, will onboard with this free mint opportunity. We're recording this right now, the day before, but the five days will begin on August 8th. Um, do we have an exact time that you're, you're opening that up for free? Yeah, noon uh, Eastern time. Okay, great. So we'll make sure we provide those details on our posts when we launch the episode as well. Um, but like I said, Rick, really, it's a free mint. You know, gas is a couple bucks at this point, right? So um, thank, be thankful that, you know, Ian's not launching this in the middle of 2022 or 2021 or something and gas is like $400. So, um, you know, your investment's pretty low and you're getting a, a really amazing um, piece of, of, of art and... Um, you know, it's an amazing story and the audiobook is just an extra bonus, you know, and, and for me, like I, I, I'm so happy you're doing that because I just know, like a lot of us, you know, there's a lot going on in our life and being able to sit quietly in a corner and read is not always possible. So audiobooks have been my jam as well for the last few years. Um, so I'm super excited to, uh, to listen to this. And I think I've given myself ADHD by just always having something on in the background hmm. and trying to do 10 things at once at this point. But, um, yeah, so that'll be a great way for lots of people to consume it. So, you know, get the free mint, get your copy, and then you can you can listen to the audiobook. Yeah, and just a shout out to uh, Wu Tang Clan, Killer B, Silver Rings, who's a he's the producer of uh, the the that uh, you know that that million dollar Wu Tang album that where where there's only one copy and. Uh, uh, that that big pharma bro bought it, <laughs> the one that was trolling everyone. Was his name Scarelli or something? I think. Um, well, you heard of it. It's just uh, the Wu Tang Clan was like, let's make an album. It'll be a it'll be a CD, and it'll be in this it'll be in this case that looks like a golden box, and there's and then who and we're not going to release it to the uh, to you know, on streaming services or on or, or on uh, iTunes or anything like that. And we're just going to sell it without any previews to the highest bidder. And this, this big pharma bro billionaire uh, bought it for a million bucks. And people were asking him, uh, can you play us a, a track from that? And he's like, nope. And he was just, I guess he bought it to troll people. But um, he's a... Uh, so the the producer of that album, Silver Rings, he, uh, I was able to license um, six tracks, which are going to be background music in the audiobook. So every time uh, the chapter ends, there'll be transition music, uh, me saying the the title of the next chapter, the music will fade out, and then and then the chapter will begin. And I feel like, uh, well. Wu-Tang Clan was influenced by Kung Fu films, cult classic Kung Fu films. The story was influenced by cult classic Kung Fu films. And I just feel like uh, it captures the, the mood of every chapter and every character uh, in the book. So, uh, and a quick story about how I was able to license six songs from a Wu-Tang producer uh, with my modest budget. 
was that uh, I did some research on him and I saw that he was a, an activist uh, for a certain cause. And I said, uh, I, I know that licensing your music uh, uh, would be uh, pretty expensive and I don't have the budget, but I will, uh, I will donate a thousand dollars to uh, a charity of your choice uh, if you send me a, a license for six of your tracks. And uh, and at the end of the the audiobook and the end credits, I'll mention the charity as well. And and he said we have a deal. And then he he gave me a he gave me a license to use his uh, his six tracks and. Uh, those tracks were wrapped uh, over uh, my a couple of my I think my my most favorite rapper of all time is is Method Man. So he wrapped over one of the tracks that that I licensed. So I, I was just I just felt like I just felt like I was kind of you know my twelve year old self was just really excited about that. So um, yeah the. The audiobook is gonna. It's going to be. Uh, it'll be a an experience like a, a music story, and uh, I think it'll be more than just uh, a reading experience. Uh, I can't wait. That's cool. And the audio helps you know to paint a picture, right? It's another sense that we're engaging now, right? And. Uh, that's exciting. And you know what, you know, a hundred percent believe, you know, that's the universe returning the favor for you being so generous and, and giving, you know, so much of yourself to these stories and giving them away for free, whether it was years ago on, on Wattpad or now with these NFTs, you know, I think that was, you know, the, the, the universe giving one back to you and, and, you know, and him accepting that offer. And that's really cool of him to do as well. Like he could have just told you to get lost. Right. Um, but it's cool that you, you did the research. You found that, you know, there's something that really matters to him that you can make a difference in and, and just shout out to the, to the producer there and, and doing that and, and, you know, enhancing the experience here and giving us, you know, more of a feeling of the vibe you're trying to create with these stories, right? You've, you've mentioned, I've been on spaces and stuff like that in the past with you, you've mentioned about the, the, the Kung Fu feel of those old films, right? The Bruce Lee type stuff and your love of Wu-Tang Clan. And I've heard that. So when you, when I heard that you got this license, you were telling me earlier before we started, you know, it just made sense. And, you know, I think it's going to paint that picture even cl more clearly for people in the story. And, and that's just a really cool extra thing that you didn't have to do, but you did it. And I think it's going to add that extra little bit of flavor and make the experience more enjoyable. So, um, excited to hear what that cause is at the end of the book. So I'll have to wait until I get to that part, but, um, that's exciting. It's funny. You mentioned, um, the universe returning the favor. I, I really do believe that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mysterious thing. Uh, the, the universe we live in, it's, uh, I'm, I'm into, uh, a, a philosophy called uh, stoicism. Heard of it? Yeah, so it's it's just it's uh, a lot of it has to do with just accepting, um, you know, what fate has bound you to, and uh, feeling blessed by what fate has bound you to, and uh, living according to nature, and do what just doing what's right, and um, the universe or Stoic Stoics refer to refer it uh, refer to the universe as either 
God or nature. And they say that, yeah, nature will, will, will provide uh, just as it always has. Uh, you know, life goes up and down and, and it's just funny how we're always ending, we always end up okay. Worst thing that happens is we die and, and then when that happens, we don't even know, uh, we don't know anything bad anymore or good and, uh, and what really mattered was just what happened in this really short time frame that we have and, uh, I do feel like when um, I listen to his his album, it's called I, and it's by Silver Rings, and uh, it's spelled C-I-L-V-A-R-I-N-G-Z. That's his uh, that's his artist name. And if you listen to his album I, which uh, RZA produced one of the tracks and. Uh, Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, they they rap over them. Uh, when I first heard the instrumentals, I was like, oh my God, it's uh, I, I listened to the album after I finished writing the book, but a lot of the tracks I felt were made for this audio book because like your your character, the samurai, she holds, um, uh, she wields a, uh, a katana sword uh, blade uh, that uh, is called Overdark because um, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of playing off the uh, the words uh, like an overcast or a dark like a dark storm cloud and uh, it has uh, electricity uh, charged uh, the blade is electricity charged like uh, just like a storm cloud and. Uh, one of the tracks just starts off with rumbling thunder and then um, and then a gunshot and then 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 the beat drops and that specifically happens in the first chapter where the samurai gets shot at and uh, it starts pouring rain and it's just it's um it's crazy how and, and and that's just one example. The other five tracks that I license, I feel like it's um, they were made for uh, for this book. So kind of I kind of feel like Stoics might be right. It's uh, nature does find ways, uh, weird ways to just make things happen. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think I want to end on on that note. Um, is that, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to you is the worst thing that ever happened to you. Right. So, um, it's, it's everything else is, is minor and, and you figure it out. Right. Um, and so thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it. We went pretty deep on some stuff there and I'll have to listen back to unpack some of it, to be honest. Um, but I'm excited. I'm just going to drop it's, it's August 8th at, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time is when we're going to open the free mint for five days. So that's that's super exciting. Uh, anyone listening, you want to jump on mint that for free? Like I said, it's going to cost you a couple bucks of gas, and you'll have a copy, and you're going to have access to Ian's future works. You're going to have access to the audiobook. Um, and it's going to be great. I should mention, I should mention real quick. Uh, tomorrow, so August 8th uh, at 12 p.m. ET 
that's when the whitelist mint starts. Uh, the public mint starts August 9th at 12 p.m. Um, 12 p.m. ET. So uh, if you're not on the whitelist, you still can. Just uh, uh, if you join my Discord, it's at uh, discord.gg slash mystery novel NFT. Um, just engage there and we'll, we can give you a, a white, a whitelist role. And, uh, that way, uh, you can have a guaranteed, uh, a guaranteed mint because, uh, yeah, once it goes public, who knows? Yeah. And I think the other way to get it is, uh, if you are a rebels by night holder, um, or if you pick one up, they're really cheap on the floor right now. Um, you can also register, uh, for whitelist, correct? Yeah. On, on the rebels discord that closed already though. Um, they ran that for about, uh, f for five days and they're amazing. Nas and, uh, Nas and, um, and Wolf, uh, for doing that for me. Um, I, I'm on their content team because I, I, I wrote a lot of stuff for them for free. And I just said, you know what? Like they, they said, they said that they would compensate me, uh, with night cards, but I said, you know what? I'll do it for free. Just, uh, I might need a favor. It's kind of like uh, Don Corleone, right? It's like I'm, one day, I don't know, may not be, I don't know when, you know, that day, I don't know if that day will come, but I may have a favor to ask. And then I did. And they were, they were cool. Yeah, shout out to the Rebels crew. Definitely cool. Well, thanks so much, Ian, for spending this time with me. Um, before we go here, I have an exclusive reading of the prologue for you from the Five Rebels. Enjoy. This is the Five Burrows. This is the last microcosm of reality, flowing down a singular path to a predetermined destination, a path defined by fear, greed, and selfishness, a product of a man's most primal code in its rawest form. Here in the gray dawn, the city yawns, stretched its concrete arms in a bleary-eyed mockery of wakefulness. This is where the steel towers touch the sky like skeletal fingers, serving as a home of the hard-coated. Poured in the bowels of the subway stations, faces as blank as their starched shirts, waiting on train decks, waiting in trains, waiting in elevators, waiting in offices for the day to end, and waiting in bed to repeat the loop. They are cogs in a ceaseless machine, marching towards the daily slaughterhouse of choice. This is the five burrows. This is where the programmed succumb themselves to fate. Their survival instincts birthing capitalism. Their tribal instincts birthing racism. Their dominance instincts birthing misogyny. Their predatory instincts birthing poverty. This is where the disillusioned claw their way upwards, stepping on the faces of others to gain higher ground, driven by instincts beyond their command. This is the five burrows. Some seek refuge from its relentless loop through digital screens, seeking alternative realities on phones, desktops, tablets, even screens mounted onto their faces. But there are some who do not attempt to escape. They create their own rules in the reality that blinds them. They are the rebels. They are the night. They are the secret world in plain sight underneath the bustling of the unconscious. These are the streets of the five burrows. 
As night descends here, the grid of glass and metal transforms into a labyrinth of shadows, alleyways, underpasses, and abandoned buildings. This is where the rebels emerge, shedding their mundane masks to reveal their true faces. This is where the heartless streetlights and graffiti-splattered walls show the indifference of life and death to the ignorant enough to wander here at night, uninvited. This is not their world, not their world of rhyme and routine. Some who dare to trudge here do not return. Those who do escape to the safety of their homes return changed. Their eyes have seen a reality defying its own rules. This is where dimly lit lanes and cracked sidewalks meander through discarded neighborhoods like veins connecting safe houses, trap houses, whorehouses, and gambling houses. What lies in the streets of the rebellion? What secret await the defiant? What horrors await the weak-minded? Only the rebels can reveal. Until the strong waters of time carry them away, back to a predetermined course of all things. These are the streets of the five boroughs. This is where the five families once ruled, now overthrown by the law turned corrupt, enslaved by the same code of their predecessors, replaced their seat on the throne. This is where rebels from another time, centuries ago, sailed west in their ships and began a new world here at its ports. A new world that in time, discarded the rest of the world for its own selfish preservation. This is where two towers once stood, a symbol of the selfishness that others less fortunate felt compelled to attack, and so they did. An attack that I do not condone, but I always knew from the math was ultimately inevitable. Yet, the hard waters of a river time washed away this act of rebellion as well, and once again the world that is surrendered itself to reality. And so the math remains sound. The river time cannot alter its course in the world of the coded, but only in the underworld of the recoded. Only in the streets can the revolution of reality begin. In the streets of the five boroughs. The five boroughs and the five rebels.